Welcome to Upon Reflection, a podcast about reasoning, well-being, and technology. I'm Nick Bird. I study the philosophy of cognitive science and the cognitive science of philosophy. In this podcast, I read my 2021 paper with Mikhail Bialik, Your Health versus My Liberty, Philosophical Beliefs, Dominated Reflection, and Identifiable Victim Effects When Predicting Public Health Recommendation Compliance During the COVID-19 Pandemic. As the title suggests, we found that complying with public health recommendations didn't depend on whether people received messaging about identifiable COVID-19 victims or statistical victims in Flatten the Curve graphs. Rather, compliance increased the more that people endorsed an effective altruist principle about reducing harm and the more that they endorsed the truth of scientific theories. But their compliance decreased as people valued liberty more than equality. Importantly, we also found that people were less likely to prevent the spread of disease by wearing masks and staying at home if the pandemic was equally deadly but labeled as a flu pandemic, mostly because they perceived this as less threatening to society. We think this suggests that people's life-threatening decisions to flout public health recommendations like mask wearing and staying at home during the COVID-19 pandemic was not just about ineffective messaging, but also about people's prior philosophical commitments. As always, free preprints of my papers are available on my CV at birdnick.com forward slash CV under the heading publications. This podcast was brought to you by Pluralsight. As you know from my paper outlining the history, methods, and benefits of online conferencing, I'm an unashamed proponent of remote work and leveraging technology for more accessible, sustainable, and inclusive results. Pluralsight teaches you just how to do this. Whether it's coding, creative work, or cloud solutions for business, Pluralsight has courses to get you going. To find out more and get a free trial, go to pluralsight.pxf.io forward slash bird. That's pluralsight.pxf.io forward slash B-Y-R-D to find out how you can learn the skills you need to thrive in an increasingly cloud-paced world. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe wherever you find podcasts. You can also follow on Twitter at bird underscore Nick or on Facebook at birdnick, one word. Or you can find me on the other platforms. Comments and questions can be submitted at birdnick.com forward slash contact. And of course, if you end up enjoying the Upon Reflection podcast, then feel free to tell people about it online, in person, or in a review. Your Health versus My Liberty, Philosophical Beliefs, Dominated Reflection, and Identifiable Victim Effects When Predicting Public Health Recommendation Compliance During the COVID-19 Pandemic, Nick Bird and Mikhail Bialik. Abstract. In response to crises, people sometimes prioritize fewer specific identifiable victims over many unspecified statistical victims. How other factors can explain this bias remains unclear, so... Two experiments investigated how complying with public health recommendations during the COVID-19 pandemic depended on victim portrayal, reflective reasoning, and philosophical beliefs. Only one experiment found that messaging about individual victims increased compliance compared to messaging about statistical victims, that is, flatten the curve graphs, an effect that was undetected after controlling for other factors. However, messaging about flu compared to COVID-19 
indirectly reduced compliance by reducing perceived threat of the pandemic. Nevertheless, moral beliefs predicted compliance better than messaging and reflection in both experiments. The second experiment's additional measures revealed that religiosity, political preferences, and beliefs about science also predicted compliance. This suggests that flouting public health recommendations may be less about ineffective messaging or reasoning than philosophical differences. Epigraphs. If it is in our power to prevent something bad from happening without thereby sacrificing anything of incomparable moral importance, we ought morally to do it. Peter Singer, 1972. We appropriately honor the one Rosa Parks, but by turning away from the crisis in Darfur, we are implicitly placing almost no value on the lives of millions there. Paul Slovic, 2007. Introduction. The genocide in Darfur is said to have killed up to 400,000 people. The Rwandan genocide wiped out between 500,000 and 700,000 people. Estimated death tolls for other genocides are in the millions. Suppose that we could prevent mass casualties of this scale by adopting a few quick, easy, do-it-yourself practices. Many people think that we should. However, when public health officials recommended low-risk, straightforward methods for preventing millions of deaths during the COVID-19 pandemic, some leaders and individuals were fatally resistant. Why? Philosophers and scientists have been diagnosing our alarmingly ineffective responses to global crises for years. Peter Singer argues that many people wrongly prioritize nearby, less needy people over far more needy people abroad. Paul Slovic argues that we can mitigate unfortunate tendencies like this by depicting crisis victims as individuals rather than statistics, a.k.a. the identifiable victim effect. So, while public health officials recommend simple and relatively convenient practices to limit preventable suffering and death, their messages to, quote, flatten the curve, end quote, that depict victims statistically rather than individually, may be less than optimally motivating. Indeed, as the pandemic death toll rose, some have wondered whether focusing on individual victims could help people better appreciate the threat of COVID-19 and comply with public health recommendations. Also, some leaders compared COVID-19 to seasonal flus in 2020, despite their public health officials explaining that COVID-19 is caused by a different virus, spreads more easily, has a longer period of contagion, causes more serious illness, and is not yet preventable via vaccination. Some worry that such comparisons to the flu decreased public health compliance and thereby increased COVID-19 deaths. Of course, individual responses to public health officials' recommendations were mixed. While many people complied with the recommendations, conspiracy theories and fake news about COVID-19 may have reduced the perceived threat of the pandemic, especially among those who were less reflective. Also, some political blocs protested governments' attempts to stop the spread of COVID-19 in the United Kingdom and in the United States. Further, some religious groups in Germany, South Korea, and the United States continued to hold crowded services despite contrary guidance. Why might otherwise life-affirming people resist easy-to-adopt, expert-recommended practices when so many lives have been lost and so many more lives were at stake? This introduction suggests that at least three factors were relevant. The content of messaging, for example, individual versus statistical victims. The receiver's reasoning, 
for example, more or less reflective reasoning, and the receiver's prior philosophical beliefs, for example, about politics. The current research investigated the impact of these factors in two pre-registered experiments. The current research. Prior evidence suggests that we would find an identifiable victim effect on compliance with public health recommendations. Compliance with these recommendations would be lower in response to messaging about statistical pandemic victims of COVID-19, for example, flatten the curve graphs, than messaging about identifiable pandemic victims, for example, an image of someone in the hospital on a respirator. However, some have suggested that comparing COVID-19 to the common flu may have reduced perceived threat of the pandemic and, therefore, compliance with public health recommendations. Moreover, prior research found that message effectiveness depended on people's reasoning and people's philosophical beliefs. So we controlled for the use of, quote, flu, end quote, as well as individual differences in both reasoning and philosophical beliefs while testing for an identifiable victim effect. We paired common public health messaging with an image of either individual or statistical victims. Both messages had two variants, a message about a flu pandemic or a message about a COVID-19 pandemic. After random assignment to those four conditions, participants completed measures of intentions to comply with public health officials' recommendations, perceived threat of COVID-19, reasoning, philosophical beliefs, and demographics. Only one experiment found that identifiable victims slightly improved compliance. Messages about flu, compared to messages about COVID-19, indirectly reduced compliance by reducing perceived threat of the pandemic. However, both experiments found that philosophical tendencies were far more predictive of compliance. We report all manipulations, measures, and exclusions. Our pre-registration, data, analysis code, and the manuscript are on the open science framework. All experiments and analyses followed APA and IRB ethical guidelines. Experiment 1. Experiment 1 primarily attempted to test the effects of individual versus statistical victims and flu versus COVID-19 pandemic messaging on two outcomes, compliance with public health recommendations and the perceived threat of pandemics. The secondary goal of Experiment 1 was to test whether such manipulations would explain variance in compliance and perceived threat when controlling for reasoning test performance and prior philosophical commitments. Methods Participants Prior to data collection from April 15 to 20, G-Power suggested that 235 participants would confer 80% power to detect a typical effect size of D equals 0.4, to ensure sufficient power after exclusions and stable correlations, we recruited 263 English-fluent adults from the United States with at least some high school education from a single call for participants on cloud research. To ensure data quality, only participants who passed cloud research's century pre-study assessments were allowed to take the survey. We agreed in advance to exclude those who failed an in-survey attention check, which was 17 people, leaving a final sample of 246 participants. Materials. Manipulation. After reading five public health recommendations, participants were randomly assigned to one of four conditions in a two-by-two between-subjects design. Compliance. Self-reported intentions to comply with public health recommendations were assessed with five items from a validated measure of pandemic behavioral intentions. Evidence suggests that scales like these predict actual social distancing behaviors. 
Participants rated the likelihood that they would comply with public health recommendations about hand washing, surface cleaning, physical distancing, sheltering in place, and mask wearing using a sliding scale from extremely likely to extremely unlikely with 10,000 invisible increments. The scale had excellent reliability with an alpha of 0.88, so a single compliance variable was computed by averaging participants' five responses to the compliance items. Threat. Research suggests that those who violate public health recommendations see COVID-19 as less threatening, so perceived threat of the pandemics, was also assessed with a single item, quote, after reading this message, how likely are you to consider COVID-19, or flu, a serious threat to society, end quote. The sliding scale for the compliance items was used for perceived threat as well. Reflection. A cognitive reflection test employed a logical, verbal, and arithmetic reflection test question. All three items are designed to lure participants towards a particular response that, upon reflection, they can realize is incorrect. An example of one question is, quote, if the concentration of the coffee doubles every minute and it takes four minutes for the coffee to be ready, then how long would it take for the coffee to reach half of the final concentration, end quote. Response options included correct, for example, three minutes, lured, for example, two minutes, and other incorrect responses in a validated multiple choice format. Lured responses were summed to produce an unreflective factor, and correct responses were summed to produce a reflective factor. To dissociate unreflective and reflective factors, all other incorrect responses were ignored. Attention check. Included in the randomized order of reflection test items was an attention check that was designed to mimic a widely used reflection test question. Quote, a bat and a ball cost $1.10 in total. If you are still reading this, do not answer this question. How much does the ball cost? End quote. The response format was identical to that of the other reflection test items. Effective altruism. Participants also rated their agreement with the statement, if we can prevent great harm without incurring great harm, then we should. End quote. Responses were recorded using the aforementioned slider, except that this slider ranged from, quote, strongly disagree, end quote, to, quote, strongly agree, end quote, with, quote, undecided, end quote, at the midpoint. This principle is adapted from a famous premise in an argument for effective altruism. As a strong prescription norm motivated by a calculation of harmful consequences, this principle is more in line with the strict prescriptive consequentialist duties that motivate effective altruism than the imperfect prescriptive duties that motivate deontological duties. For example, consider norms that favor giving to charity. Deontologists reject culpability for failure to fulfill this kind of prescription, but effective altruists like Peter Singer think that we are wrong not to do what is prescribed by this type of norm, a difference that has been found among lay people as well. So, effective altruists have not only endorsed this principle when arguing for effective altruism, but have done so in ways that other moral theorists would resist, hence the label effective altruism. Nonetheless, some notions of effective altruism seem to align with the strict consequentialist duty that seeks maximal improvement, while other forms of effective altruism, like the one in this paper, align better with the scalar consequentialism that seeks net improvement. Of course, the history of ideas is long and diverse enough to find thinkers who do not know about or identify as effective altruists, but will endorse this statement nonetheless. Results Univariate analysis. To assist related research and meta-analyses, correlations between all measures across all conditions in experiment 1 are reported in table 1. 
as expected, compliance with specific public health recommendations were intercorrelated and, replicating related research, average compliance and public health recommendations increased with the perceived threat of the pandemic. Further replicating other findings, compliance was higher among both women and older people. There were also ceiling effects in compliance, and reflection test performance did not seem to correlate with compliance. Multivariate analysis. Hierarchical regression tested the effects of statistical versus individual victims and flu versus COVID-19 messages and their interaction on compliance and perceived threat, both with and without reasoning and philosophy control variables. The two message groups were contrast-coded to allow us to report main effects rather than dummy-coded, which would limit us to reporting simple effects. The two statistical victim messages were positive, and the two identifiable victim messages were negative. Similarly, the two flu messages were positive, and the two COVID-19 messages were negative. Both sets of message codes were also mean-centered to test interactions. Messaging. The first message-only models did not detect messaging effects on compliance, but compliance was marginally lower in the statistical victim messages than identifiable victim messages. The other model found that perceived threat was slightly lower for messages about statistical victims than messages about individual victims, and for the flu pandemic messages than COVID-19 pandemic messages. Messaging and Reasoning The second models predicted significantly more variance, but did not detect effects of messaging on compliance. Nonetheless, perceived threat was slightly lower for messages about statistical versus identifiable victims. The second messaging and reasoning model found that both correct and lured reflection test answers predicted higher compliance and threat. This suggests that the relationship between reasoning and pandemic responses may be explained by another variable. A caveat is that the reasoning tests had very low reliability, and some dose of caution is required when interpreting these results. Messaging, Reasoning, and Philosophy The third models confirmed that correlations between reflection test performance and pandemic attitudes were no longer detected after endorsement of the effective altruist principle was included in the model. In fact, effective altruism was the strongest predictor of compliance with public health recommendations and perceived threat. Moreover, adding the effective altruism variable to this full model allowed it to predict significantly more variance than the prior models. After controlling for effective altruism, messaging about flu messages still reduced the perceived threat compared to messaging about COVID-19, but the identifiable victim effect was no longer detected. Discussion. Experiment 1 did not find strong support for the identifiable victim effect. Participants who received messages about individual victims were not reliably more likely to comply with public health recommendations than participants who received messages about statistical victims. Rather, we found that public health compliance and perceived threat of pandemics was better explained by prior philosophical beliefs than messaging or reasoning. However, the low reliability of reflection test responses could have obscured the actual role of reasoning in health recommendation compliance, so another pre-registered experiment attempted to replicate and clarify these results. Experiment 2. The second experiment was designed to replicate and clarify the findings of Experiment 1. By tripling the sample size, we obtained enough statistical power to include additional measures that had the potential to clarify the role of reasoning and prior philosophical beliefs in people's attitudes and attentions about pandemics. This higher-powered experiment was also able to test the replicability of marginal findings from Experiment 1 and identify potential mediators. Methods 
participants. Prior to data collection from May 7 to 11, G-Power suggested that 741 participants would confer 95% power to detect a typical effect size when employing hierarchical regression with 19 predictors. To ensure sufficient statistical power after excluding participants that failed an attention check, we recruited 820 English-fluent adults from the United States with at least some high school education in a single call for participants using the cloud research pre-study assessment. We agreed in advance to exclude those who failed an in-survey attention check, leaving a final sample of 752 participants. Materials. Experiment 1 Materials. The Conditions, Compliance Items, Threat Question, and Endorsement of the Effective Altruism Principle from Experiment 1 were reused in Experiment 2. Philosophy. Experiment 2 asked participants about their stances on various philosophical issues in random order. Responses were recorded on sliding scales used in Experiment 1. These items are labeled philosophical because they concern topics that are often considered philosophical broadly, morality, politics, metaphysics, and epistemology. Morality. In addition to the effective altruist principle from Experiment 1, participants also reported their endorsement of instrumental harm by answering another moral question, quote, can it be acceptable to cause some harm to one person in order to prevent greater harm to more people, on a scale from never to always, with sometimes at the midpoint? Politics. Participants reported both their social and economic political orientations by answering how liberal or left-wing versus conservative or right-wing are you on social or economic issues, on a scale from very liberal to very conservative, with neither at the midpoint. Participants also reported their preferences for libertarianism or egalitarianism by answering, quote, what is more important in a good society, equality or liberty, end quote. They answered this on a sliding scale from equality to liberty. Metaphysics and epistemology. Questions about metaphysics and epistemology were also asked. Agreement with scientific realism was measured by asking participants agreement with, quote, the best scientific theories are probably true, end quote, on a scale from strongly disagree to strongly agree with undecided at the midpoint. Scientific anti-realism was gauged by indicating agreement with, quote, the methods of science cannot accurately reveal reality, end quote, on the aforementioned scale. Participants' endorsement of naturalism was determined by their agreement with, quote, there are no supernatural forces, causes, or beings, end quote, on the same scale. The same scale was also used to determine participants' endorsement of theism, that is, that, quote, a god exists, end quote. Participants also reported their view of free will's relationship to determinism by answering, quote, if every event in the universe is determined, then how likely is it that people have free will, end quote, on a sliding scale from not at all to totally, with somewhat at the midpoint. Religiosity. Participants were also asked to report their religiosity in response to the following question, quote, if religiosity is defined as participating in an organized religion, then to what degree do you consider yourself religious, end quote, using the same sliding scale. Reflection. To improve upon the reliability of the reflection test in the first experiment, we reused only one reflection test item and used five other reflection test questions, doubling the number of reflection items in the second experiment, two logical, two verbal, and two arithmetic reflection test items. 
An example of one question is, quote, if it takes three nurses three minutes to test three patients for the flu, how long would it take 90 nurses to test 90 patients for the flu? Response options included correct, for example, three minutes, lured, for example, 90 minutes, and other incorrect responses in a validated multiple-choice format. As in experiment one, the reflective factor was computed by summing correct responses, and the unreflective factor was computed by summing lured responses. To dissociate reflective from unreflective factors, all other incorrect responses were ignored. Contrary to our expectations, the reliability of the expanded reflection test answers was lower than experiment one. Numeracy. Participants also completed the four-item Berlin numeracy test. An example of one item is as follows. Quote, imagine we are throwing a five-sided die 50 times. On average, out of these 50 throws, how many times would the five-sided die show an odd number, 1, 3, or 5? End quote. Numeracy was computed by summing correct responses. The reliability of the numeracy test responses was also remarkably low. Results. Univariate analysis. To further assist related investigations, correlations between all measures from experiment 2 are reported in table 3. Replicating experiment 1, compliance with specific public health recommendations were highly intercorrelated. Average compliance with public health recommendations increased with the perceived threat of the pandemic, and reflection test performance did not correlate with compliance. Consistent with experiment 1 and replicating past work, age correlated with public health recommendation compliance, and there were ceiling effects in compliance. However, in contrast with work, neither gender nor ethnicity correlated with compliance. Univariate analysis also found common correlations. Reflection test performance correlated with numeracy, morality, political orientation, and theism. Further, older people were more conservative, and women were less likely to endorse instrumental harm. These correlations can serve as a robustness check of our data set. Besides the perceived threat of the pandemic, the strongest and most reliable predictors of compliance with public health recommendations were endorsement of the effective altruism principle and scientific realism. Theists were also modestly more likely to comply. Non-compliance was best predicted by endorsing liberty compared to equality. The other moral, political, metaphysical, and religious measures did not reliably correlate with compliance. Multivariate analysis. Hierarchical regression examined the effects of statistical versus individual victims and flu versus COVID-19 information while controlling for correlations with the second experiment's reasoning and philosophical measures. Message coding was identical to experiment one. Messaging. The messaging-only models did not detect effects of messaging on compliance or of individual versus statistical victim information on perceived threat. However, one messaging-only model did find that perceived threat of the pandemic was slightly lower for messages about flu than messages about COVID-19. Also, the model found a marginal interaction effect of flu versus COVID-19 and statistical versus individual victims on perceived threat. Messaging and Reasoning the second messaging and reasoning models found the same effects of messaging as the message-only model while controlling for reflection and numeracy test performance. Neither reflection nor numeracy test performance were related to compliance or threat in this second model. The low replicability of the effects of reasoning may be attributable to the surprisingly low reliability of its measurement. Messaging, Reasoning, and Philosophy The third models added the battery of philosophical questions. Replicating Experiment 1, endorsement of effective altruism was the strongest predictor of compliance with public health recommendations and perceived threat. 
and order of strength, the remaining philosophical predictors of both compliance and threat were scientific realism and religiosity. The only predictor of both non-compliance and reduced threat was a relative preference for liberty over equality. Compliance with public health recommendations decreased slightly as endorsement of scientific anti-realism increased, but increased marginally as compatibilism about free will increased. After controlling for correlations with philosophy and reasoning, the only detected effect of messaging was a reduction of the perceived threat by messages about flu relative to messages about COVID-19. The interaction effect on threat from the prior models was not detected in the third models. Mediation analysis. To clarify our conclusions, we tested whether and how the control variables in the multivariate analyses were causally affected by our treatments, and whether the outcome variables were colliders, impacted not just by direct effects of our treatments, but by indirect effects through our control variables. To do this, we used a GLM mediation model with 10,000 bootstrap repetitions in Jamovi, according to the recommendations of Preacher and Hayes. No effects of statistical versus identifiable victims with any control or outcome variables were detected. However, direct and indirect effects of flu versus COVID-19 messaging on compliance were detected. Flu messaging directly increased compliance relative to COVID-19 messaging, but indirectly reduced compliance by reducing perceived threat. No other direct or indirect effects on compliance were detected. Nonetheless, component relationships of the mediation paths were detected. Messaging about flu versus COVID-19 had a small negative effect on instrumental harm, but no other component effects of the treatments were detected. However, most of the component relationships from the hierarchical regression were detected in the mediation analysis. Compliance was predicted by effective altruism, scientific realism, scientific anti-realism, and theism. So, as figure 5 shows, compliance was not a collider, and our control variables were not substantially impacted by our treatments. The full mediation model can be found in Table A1. General Discussion During the COVID-19 pandemic, we investigated the predictors of compliance with public health recommendations. We considered both message and receiver, testing message's depiction of victims, that is, individual versus statistical, and mention of disease, that is, flu versus COVID-19, as well as receiver's reasoning and philosophical beliefs. Messaging that mentioned flu rather than COVID-19 reduced compliance by reducing the perceived threat of the pandemic. However, messaging about identifiable victims rather than statistical victims only marginally reduced compliance and in just one experiment, an effect that was no longer detected after introducing a more potent predictor of compliance, beliefs about whether we ought to prevent harm if we can do so without incurring as much harm. Both experiments found that the best predictors of complying with public health recommendations and perceived threat of pandemics were prior philosophical beliefs about morality and science. Moreover, preferring liberty to equality was the best predictor of non-compliance. The more that individuals valued liberty over equality, the more they reported being likely to flout public health recommendations. Nonetheless, aligning with findings from other countries, perceived threat of the pandemic was also predictive of complying with public health recommendations. So, more important than strategic public health messaging may be the public's prior philosophical beliefs and perceptions. One may wonder why we did not reliably detect identifiable victim effects in the present experiments given the history and recency of finding such effects. We offer two responses to this curiosity, equivalence testing and alternative explanations. Equivalence testing. A reviewer asked for equivalence tests of a real zero effect. 
Rather than compare the observed effect to zero, equivalence tests examine whether observed effects are statistically smaller than the smallest effect size of interest. If it is, then the investigated effect is considered so small that it's practically equivalent to zero. Lee and Feely found a meta-analytic identifiable victim effect size of d equals 0.09 to 0.1 in 41 experiments. So we employed equivalence tests on the higher-powered experiment 2 in Jamovi using that meta-analytic smallest effect size of interest, a lower bound of d equals negative 0.09 and an upper bound of d equals positive 0.09. As in prior analyses, we did not detect a main identifiable victim effect. Nonetheless, the observed effect was larger than the lower bound. However, the effect is not considered equivalent to zero because it was not smaller than the upper bound. Further, the direction of this effect was the opposite of what was expected. Compliance was higher in the group who received a flatten-the-curve graph than the group who viewed the photo of an identifiable respiratory virus victim, suggesting that either a null or a small reverse identifiable victim effect was detected depending on the labeling of an effect size. One limitation of this analysis is that the meta-analytic smallest effect size of interest is already null or small, depending on your labeling convention. So it's extremely difficult to test whether an effect is even smaller. Using our scale, the confidence interval of the difference between statistical and identifiable victim groups would have to be smaller than plus or minus 0.171 points on a 100-point scale. Our relatively large data set for experiment 2, about 375 observations per group, is less than half of the 1,713 observations per group recommended for 80% power to test a slightly larger equivalence bound of d equals 0.1 when alpha equals 0.05. To elaborate, consider a meaningless identifiable victim effect the effect of identifiable victims on participants' computer-generated random five-digit payment codes. As expected, a main effect was undetected, as was an effect above the lower bound. However, figure 6b shows that an effect below the upper bound was detected. In other words, equivalence testing could not reject a meaningless identifiable victim effect as small as Lee and Feely's smallest meta-analytic effect in our data. So those who demand conventional levels of power to infer a true zero effect will not be satisfied to infer a true zero identifiable victim effect from these equivalence tests. Alternative explanations. One potential explanation of the failure to reliably detect expected identifiable victim effects involves not only messaging, but also the effect of general level of threat. For example, in line with the current findings, some people perceive the pandemic as less threatening than others and seem to be less likely to comply with government public health recommendations. So if the perceived threat of the compliance is already high, then identifiable victims may not increase them further. Indeed, the present findings replicated ceiling effects in both compliance and perceived threats, so perhaps individual victim effects will be more difficult to detect when perceived threats and likelihood of responding are already very high for example, during pandemics. Similarly, one may wonder whether additional differences between pandemics and other crises can explain the differences between our null results and prior identifiable victim effects. For example, one may be able to guarantee that a life will be saved by giving food to a starving person, but one may not be as certain that a life will be saved by wearing a mask or complying with public health recommendations. So responses to public health crises may be less sensitive to identifiable victim effects 
than other crises due to differences in opportunities to respond and differences in certainty about the outcomes of responding. Further research may find that identifiable victim effects depend on these or other variables. Another explanation may be that our stimuli did not successfully identify a victim because the patient's face was somewhat occluded by a respirator in the photograph used in these experiments. Analyzing the impact of subtle differences between images of individuals may be a worthwhile project. Until that research program is mature, we point readers to prior images used in seminal papers purporting to present an identifiable victim. Due to image quality, the victim is less than fully identifiable, suggesting that optimal identifiability has not been considered necessary for existing research in this arena. Another explanation of the null identifiable victim effect may have to do with the source of public health recommendations. All of the present conditions included, quote, public health experts recommend, end quote. Some find that people align their attitudes about the COVID-19 pandemic with public health experts, regardless of other factors such as political affiliation. So identifiable victim effects may be detected only when recommendations come from less trustworthy sources. Messaging. Another limitation of the paper is that the 40 million deaths projected by some researchers is more believable for the COVID-19 messages than the flu messages, and this could have contributed to our results. This projection was included to ensure a severe test of the identifiable victim effect. If the power of identifiable victim effects is more potent than statistical victims, then identifiable victims should be compared to the most alarming statistics. Also, stipulating a similar death toll for COVID-19 and flu pandemics was required by the logic of one of our hypotheses. One projection had to be included in both COVID-19 and flu messages that contained statistical victims in order to maintain similarity between conditions and therefore the ability to draw inferences about the difference between flu and COVID-19 rather than a difference in projected deaths. Sure enough, the flu messaging indirectly decreased compliance relative to the COVID-19 messaging, with or without the death statistic, by reducing the perceived threat of the pandemic. So if the, quote, 40 million, end quote, statistic had appeared in only the COVID-19 condition, then this effect would have confounded the indirect compliance-reducing effect of a flu message with a lower projected death toll of flu. Another limitation of these experiments is its reliance on one kind of statistical visualization, a flatten-the-curve graph. Other visualizations may have had different impacts on the likelihood of complying with public health recommendations. However, existing evidence suggests that people report a higher willingness to comply with these recommendations regardless of whether and how the COVID-19 pandemic is visualized. Cognition The reliability and predictive power of the current reflection and numeracy tests were weak. This may be related to the recent findings that a substantial portion of correct answers on reflection tests may not actually involve reflection. Of course, the weak reliability of the reflection test parameters did not seem to invalidate the entire dataset, given that well-replicated correlates of reflection were observed. Nonetheless, the relatively low reliability of the cognitive tests raises questions about cognition during a pandemic. Cognitive Test Robustness the present experiments added more null findings of a relationship between reflection test performance and compliance with public health recommendations during the first wave of the COVID-19 pandemic. One may be surprised by these null results given that correlates of reflection such as individual differences in working memory and self-reported need for cognition have predicted compliance. One way toward compatibility between these null results and positive results would be evidence that reflection test performance has been impacted by the kind of economic insecurity produced by the COVID-19 pandemic. 
Indeed, some have found abnormal reflection test performance during the COVID-19 pandemic. So one may think that the abnormally low reliability of the current reflection tests compared to pre-pandemic research may be a result of the pandemic. Nevertheless, other mid-pandemic reflection tests of participants recruited from other crowd work platforms achieved typical reliability. So our reflection test results may indicate that test performance differs between crowd work platforms, that the present test performance was unreliable, or that test performance is not closely related to compliance with public health recommendations. Higher-powered cross-sectional research could arbitrate between these and other explanations. Cognition and Understanding of COVID-19 The null relationships between reasoning tests and compliance with public health recommendations might also be explained by a third factor, appreciation of science. After all, reflection test performance has predicted appreciation of scientific knowledge about COVID-19. So despite our null reflection compliance finding, recent COVID-19 social science aligns with the current findings insofar as reflective people appreciate science and science appreciation predicted compliance. Such an indirect relationship could be a reason that reflection test performance has been a less potent predictor of attitudes about COVID-19 prevention than beliefs about science. Philosophy. Prior philosophical beliefs were more potent predictors of attitudes and intentions about pandemics than either messaging or cognition. Examining these and other results will provide hypotheses for future research. Liberty versus public health. Political preferences like social and economic conservatism have not been potent predictors of pandemic attitudes and intentions in our or other researchers' data. We found that only preferences for liberty over equality reliably predicted non-compliance with public health recommendations and lower perceived threat of pandemics. Importantly, libertarian preferences negatively correlated with the perceived duty to effectively prevent harm, and, aligning with earlier work, caring about preventing harm was a standout positive predictor of compliance with public health recommendations and perceived threat of the pandemic in both of the present experiments. Thus, libertarian and effective altruist tendencies not only anti-correlate, but they differentially predict public health attitudes and intentions. So there may be a real trade-off between acting according to the value of liberty and acting according to one's duties to others' health. Of course, people may value both liberty and others' health, even when certain dilemmas pit one value against the other. Scientific Realism versus Trust in Science Pandemic attitudes and intentions were reliably predicted by positive endorsement of scientific realism, but not naturalism, and anti-realism is about science. This pattern may be partly explained by the fact that scientific anti-realism measures unexpectedly failed to negatively correlate with the scientific realism measure. Recent research found that trust in science was a more potent predictor of complying with public health recommendations than hypothesized variables such as political orientation. Together, these points suggest that the predictive power of the scientific realism measure may have less to do with realism about science than trust in science. Future research could profitably dissociate trust in science from metaphysical beliefs about science. Metaphysical beliefs versus community involvement. Although theism was a more reliable predictor of perceiving and responding to the threat of pandemics in univariate and mediation analyses, religiosity was the stronger predictor in the hierarchical regression analysis. One measure of religiosity asked about participation in certain organizations, rather than endorsement of certain beliefs. This raises the question of whether community involvement may predict compliance with public health recommendations differently than the beliefs associated with those communities. 
Further research could profitably dissociate the roles of social and philosophical factors in public health compliance and outcomes. Conclusion. While public health officials may find flattening the curve messaging compelling among each other, it's not clear that they will be more effective than messaging about identifiable victims during a pandemic. However, we did find evidence suggesting that messages comparing COVID-19 to the common flu may have reduced compliance with public health recommendations. Moreover, while encouraging the public to appreciate the threat of pandemics, we may encounter more resistance from some groups than others. This may not be the result of the quality of the message or the competence of the receiver, but rather individual differences in philosophical beliefs. Some may believe that liberty matters more than their duties to others or their appreciation of science. Of course, subsequent research may reveal more about the relationship between public health messaging and compliance therewith. However, until we have tested all common public health messages and confounding factors, the present research suggests that effective public health messaging may require appealing to particular people's prior philosophical beliefs. This podcast was brought to you by Pluralsight. As you know from my paper outlining the history, methods, and benefits of online conferencing, I'm an unashamed proponent of remote work and leveraging technology for more accessible, sustainable, and inclusive results. Pluralsight teaches you just how to do this. Whether it's coding, creative work, or cloud solutions for business, Pluralsight has courses to get you going. To find out more and get a free trial, go to pluralsight.pxf.io forward slash bird. That's pluralsight.pxf.io forward slash B-Y-R-D to find out how you can learn the skills you need to thrive in an increasingly cloud-paced world. If you want to hear more, you can subscribe wherever you find podcasts. You can also find out more about me and my research at my website, birdnick.com, on Twitter at bird underscore nick, or on Facebook at birdnick, one word. If you have suggestions or questions for the podcast, you can submit them at birdnick.com forward slash contact. And of course, if you end up enjoying the Upon Reflection podcast, then feel free to tell people about it online, in person, or in your review. Thanks. Music for the Upon Reflection podcast is produced by me on GarageBand. All of my music is shareable under a Creative Commons license. You can find more of my music on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com forward slash birdnick.